Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill. I'm the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. Today is Wednesday, March 1st, 2023. This is edition number 38 of season 8 as we continue looking at the Westminster Confession of Faith. We're in chapter 7 now dealing with God's covenant with man. Today we'll consider the very brief paragraph, paragraph number 2. Let's pray together first and then we'll consider it together. Our God in heaven, you who are, were pleased to covenant with us, your people, uh, to condescend to our lowly estate, to help us, to strengthen us, and reveal yourself in your word and give to us all the matters that we need to know to understand how we might be made right with you. We thank you for your word and for all it teaches us. We thank you that you are a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. And we pray as we look at these matters that they would move us Uh, to behold your beauty and majesty more so than we have before, that we might walk in your ways and do that which you've commanded us. Father, forgive us for our sins and the ways in which we uh, fall short of your glory and transgress your laws through sins of omission and commission. And may you be gracious to us and help us, we pray, for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, we come to paragraph number two of chapter seven of God's covenant with man, just reminding you uh, that in paragraph one, we noted how the distance between God and the creature is so great that while it is still true, regardless of what God did as the creator, we owe obedience to him. Yet in our lowly estate and our pitiful condition, uh, he condescended to us and, and, and gave to us uh, various matters as uh, revealed in the various covenants that he has established and, and we read about in his word. And so by some voluntary condescension on God's part, he has been pleased to express these things by way of covenant. Now, I mentioned briefly uh, in the Tuesday edition the various covenants that we have uh, given to us across the spectrum of the Bible. There are two main headings of the covenant that God has established. The first one is the covenant of works. We're going to consider that from paragraph two uh, today. And then there is the the other broader heading, the covenant of grace. Now, both are still very much in view uh, the covenant of works is still running, it's operating, uh, as has been ever since God established it with our first parents. The covenant of grace, of course, is, has been uh, in force ever since Genesis 3.15. And for those who are the redeemed of the Lord, they find themselves under the rubric of the covenant of grace. For those who are the reprobate and unregenerate, they find themselves under the mandates of the covenant of works. And so paragraph two gives to us, in summary, um, the first covenant that was made with man. And so we read there, the first covenant made with man was a covenant of works, wherein life was promised to Adam and in him to his posterity upon condition of perfect and personal obedience. Now, here in this paragraph, it, it doesn't say, but it does say, I know that sounds like double, double talk, it's not, I'll explain It does say that uh, the promise of the covenant, because every covenant has a promise and a curse. Every covenant has that which would would be given, and if if obedience is is accomplished, and also the consequence or curse if it is not. Now, the promise that was made to Adam in the covenant of works, and in him as our federal head, 
as representative, a perfect representative of humanity, his posterity, um, life was promised. The condition, of course, is stated there upon condition of perfect and personal obedience. Now, the opposite is then true. Of course, if there is not perfect and personal obedience, death is the result. And we've already taken note of this in chapter 6, that through one man's sin, sin entered the world, therefore all have sinned. The wages of sin is death. And indeed, our first parents did fall in the garden. They broke the covenant of works. But the covenant of works was first made um, to Adam, wherein life was promised. Let's look at that covenant just briefly. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Really, let's just start in verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Now, just as an aside, this tells us, doesn't it, that when God made Adam and Eve, he made them outside the garden, and then he brought them to himself in the first temple of God, um, in which he then establishes this covenant, this covenant of works, this first covenant with Adam. And here it is. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, a gracious, a gracious provision. You may eat of any of the trees in this garden, all the fruit that's here, all the trees that exist. You may eat of them, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And so here, this covenant of works is established, not only in Genesis 2, 6, 16 and 17, Hosea 6, 7 makes reference to it, but they, like men, have transgressed the covenant. There have they dealt treacherously against me. This is God speaking about his, um, his rebellious people. Galatians 3.12, And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. That is to say, the covenant of works if you want to follow and abide by the covenant of works, then it's going to be personal and per perpetual and perfect obedience. Never falling short once of God's demands of his law that he has given. And we know that that is impossible for sinners to do. They fall short of God's glory in thought, word, and deed. We sin daily in thought, word, and deed. And Adam and Eve, they fell. They rebelled against the very command of God. The covenant itself was broken on their part God upheld that part of the covenant in bringing death to not only Adam and Eve, both spiritual and physical death, but also then because of our first parents, that, that the consequence was then applied uh, to, uh, to us. When we get to the covenant of grace, we're going to see the very same principle, except the covenant of grace is made with Christ, who keeps it perfectly, and because of his perfect keeping of the covenant of grace... We, uh, the regenerate, the redeemed of the Lord, benefit from his perfect and personal obedience to the terms of the covenant of works, which is perfect obedience to the law of God. But Adam and Eve fell, and they did not keep this condition of perfect and personal obedience. They violated it indeed. So in Genesis 3.22, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, now lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. And so the tree of life in the covenant of works was a sacramental tree. It represented in type and shadow and picture 
what was promised to Adam. Perfect and personal obedience, the tree of life is yours. You rebel against me, you disobey my law, the tree of life is forfeited. And indeed it was. He was driven away from God's comfortable presence, the tree of life, which was a sacramental sign of the promise that was extended to them had they obeyed God fully. The tree of life shows back up again in Revelation. Of course, it shows back up in the, in the complete and total reversal of the fall in which we are then brought back in a perfect union with the God of heaven who made us that we might participate in the tree of life. Uh, representing, of course, that eternity, that eternal life that was promised in the covenant of works and successfully kept by he who is the only one who could, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, this is the first covenant. It is uh, the covenant that every man today outside of Christ is living under. The demands of this covenant is perfect obedience to God's law. Now, it's a great means by which you can use this uh, as you seek to talk to your friends and neighbors about the gospel. You just press them under the mandates of the covenant of works. You don't have to use the language. You don't have to confuse them with these things. Just simply ask them, do you keep God's law perfectly? Do you know what that law is? You can point to the Ten Commandments and you can show them that they are to have no other gods before them, that they are to worship Him and Him only. They are to reverence His name. Have they ever used God's name in an improper fashion? They are guilty. They have broken the covenant of works and they are then therefore justly deserving uh, death. Do they keep the Lord's Day? The fourth commandment, do they honor their mother and father, their superiors? Do they treat their inferiors with dignity and respect? Do they kill have they ever been angry with another person and angry in their heart? Do they commit adultery? Do they have pure and perfect thoughts all the time? <clears throat> Do they steal? No, they may not walk into a store and take an item that doesn't belong to them, uh, but do they steal from their employer's time? Uh, do they steal reputations of other people with the slander and gossip that is so frequent? And the list goes on and on. Uh, do they covet? Uh, do they bear false witness? You can press these matters, all of these matters, and, and show them that they are justly deserving God's displeasure as those operating under the covenant of works. They are operating under that very uh, issue that demands from them, just like Adam and Eve demands perfect and personal obedience. And it shows, as a mirror, it shows them that they don't keep those things and they are then obligated to the terms of the covenant, which is death, spiritual, and physical. So it's a means by which you can talk to people about the gospel, and you can show them the covenant of grace and the hope that comes in Christ as He keeps that perfectly for us, and that it's applied to us as we believe it by faith, as the instrument of our justification. Now we're going to see more of that as we go further into this chapter. But just wanted to leave you with that as a means by which you can help show people uh, their great need of Christ. Now, it's not our, we don't put our hope in Adam and Eve. For those outside of Christ, they are found in Adam. But for those who have placed their hope and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, they're found in Him. And that is very, very comforting to know that the terms of the covenant of works, I cannot keep, but someone else did. And because of Him, death is not something I need to fear anymore. That eternity with God in his temple is what I had to look forward to. 
as I'm drawn back then, therefore, into his comfortable presence through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so until the um, Thursday edition, when we consider uh, paragraph, I believe it's going to be, uh, it's going to be paragraph um, number three. Let me just verify that for you just very quickly. Yes, paragraph number three. May the Lord help you today. May you walk in his ways. May you give praise to the God of heaven for the glory of Christ who kept this covenant perfectly for you on your behalf. God bless.